Well, good morning, Prodigal Church. Uh, wherever you are and however you are listening in, welcome to our online service this week. My name is Brad. I am the student ministries and small groups pastor here at Prodigal. Our lead pastor, John, is preaching online for another church this morning, but he will be back with us next week. So today we are starting a brand new series, The Road Less Traveled, where for the next few weeks we are going to be journeying with Jesus step by step, encounter by encounter on his road to the cross and just beyond that into the Easter weekend and celebration of resurrection next month. So today that journey that we're embarking on is going to begin with a single moment that leads to a movement. Just one verse that changes the direction of Jesus' life and our world with it. See, a moment can make all the difference. We know that. Our lives are defined by moments that we can point to and say, life was different before and after that. Getting to do uh, weddings, one of the coolest things I, I do is I, I sit down with the couple before we do their ceremony, and I get to hear their, their story. And one of the questions that I often ask is I say, was there a moment when you realized that this was the person you wanted to marry? Was there a moment when you knew this is the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with? And usually the immediate response is they'll say, you know, no, nah, I think it was more sort of a gradual thing for us. But often then, one of them will pause and they'll say, well, you know, actually, there was this one time when she quit her job and moved closer to be with me, I knew she was special. Uh, when he was there for me, when, when my family was going through that thing, that was special. These are beautiful, transformative moments. But then, of course, there are those other kind of moments, right? Um... The phone calls that we never wanted to get, the calls where it's bad news first and no good news after. And I know that for the last few weeks, our lives have been filled with this whirlwind of crazy moments, public service announcements, press conferences, school closures, moment after moment. And last Friday, I was sitting with this uh, fourth grader as he received the news and was trying to process it that his school was going to be closed for a month. So he's listening and he's hearing these adults all around him using these crazy words he's never heard before like pandemic and social distancing and talking about the stock market. And he's taking this all in and, and then he slowly just goes to the other room and I can hear him call his best friend and he rings up his best friend on the phone and he just says, hey man, did you hear? These are the weirdest days of our lives. I think that about sums it up. These are the weirdest days of our lives. And so today, in the midst of so much chaos, we're simplifying. We're zooming in to this single pivotal moment in Jesus' life. Because in watching how he lives into this moment, we'll draw out three questions for our own momentous days. So your journey begins in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Up to this point in the story, Jesus has been doing the work of God, and that involves all this exciting stuff. He's teaching things about God that they've never heard before. He's preaching good news to the poor, to those who are down and out. He's healing the sick, but he's mostly limited his work to this one sort of local area. But now, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, our, our verse for the morning, this seismic shift occurs that turns the page from one chapter of Jesus' life into the next. 
From here on out, the plot thickens, the action ramps up, and it's this crash course to the, to the Easter weekend, to the cross, and to the open grave. And it all begins with this simple verse, Luke writes this, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. I want to focus first just on this opening phrase, as the time approached, or as others of our translations go, as the days drew near. See, the first thing we notice is that Jesus has a very peculiar sense of time. Uh, Luke is letting us know that for Jesus, there's this higher purpose, even a divine purpose, that is orienting his life. Jesus understands that he is the leading actor in this story that is larger than himself, and so he's acting to move that story, that plot, that purpose forward. And you know, this isn't just a throwaway line. No, not for those of us whose sense of time has been upended as of recent. You know, now uh, it's not just that we're spending hours more washing our hands every day, that we're uh, having to take extra time looking in the store for things we've never had to wonder if they were there, that we're standing in line longer. No, we're talking about this new coronation era. This is literally a sermon that is being preached from a city under quarantine. And so as we enter into this new normal, every day we're hearing from our friends who have suddenly become effectively unemployed because their job location has been closed. Suddenly they have more time off than they'd like. Others are telling me they're working in the medical industry and they're saying they're working overtime just to try and stay ahead of this outbreak. They have less time than ever. And for all of us parents, right, we get to suddenly have our kids around uh, far longer than we'd ever expected. So what did we do with this time, with these weirdest days of our lives? Well, one of the greatest stories ever told, The Lord of the Rings, yes, I'm a huge nerd, uh, there's this profound scene near the very beginning. The reluctant hero-to-be, Frodo Baggins, has just learned all about what he's up against. Uh, of no fault on his own, his regular comfortable life has just been interrupted and he has been thrust unexpectedly into this quest. He's hearing all about the danger and the darkness that is all around him and in this moment, he turns to the wise old Gandalf, the wizard, and they have this exchange. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. I wish none of this had happened. Right? A lot of us can relate to that line. Many of us know that feeling. I wish I wasn't in this mess. More importantly, I wish this was not a month of my child's childhood. Right? I wish that I wasn't spending this month separated from loved ones. And yet, in response to trying times, I think Tolkien, the author of Lord of the Rings, as a man of deep faith, gets at the question our scripture prompts us to ask this morning. What is it time for in my life? In this unprecedented time, what could it be that God is calling me towards? How can I not just get through this time until it's back to business as usual, but how can I live purposely through this time? How can I be present to what God is doing in and around me today? See, that's the first question that I think this passage prompts. What is it high time for you to do today? 
see, when Jesus determines it's his time to act, we're told that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. You know, at home, my son, Rohan Javier, he's just a year old, and so he's just learning to talk. And so at this, at this stage, it's great because he's got a couple go-to words in English and a few others in Spanish. But mostly right now, if he wants to communicate, he just runs into the room and uses these frantic gestures and this sort of baby babbling of, you know, and we're just supposed to know what he's talking about. So if, if as a parent, if I want to see how my child is exploring their world, I have to follow his gaze and see what it is that's got his attention. Um, you know, it, it turns into this. You know, wow, mijo, uh, those flowers, they're beautiful. Or, oh, what's that over there? Oh, that's a dog. What sound does a dog make? This is the dad life, right? Or just every once in a while, picking him up and saying, oh, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. The Roomba's not after you. See, when we care about somebody, we want to see what they see. We want to pay attention to what they're concerned with. And here, in dramatic fashion, Luke portrays a literal turning point in Jesus' life. So that as Jesus pivots toward Jerusalem, Luke, like a great film director, has our attention, the attention of his readers, turned to face the horizon that Jesus has turned towards. And it begs the question, what is it that Jesus sees? Can we get a glimpse of what it is that Jesus is turning towards? We're told that he set his face toward Jerusalem. See, to set your face was this ancient Hebrew term. And it, it was this term that people would use when someone had determined to do something or had set out for some destination. Many of us know the, the expression uh, on our friend's face. Maybe we're, we're arguing about something um, and we're debating something. And suddenly we see their face just sort of set. And maybe they're, they're nodding along with us still. Maybe they're even smiling. But we can tell our words are having no effect. They've made up their mind. Back in the day, they would say, her face has been set. Jesus' face is set towards Jerusalem. And that matters because Jerusalem isn't just some random location. It's not just another address on Google Maps. No, Jerusalem was the cultural center of Jesus' world. It was important for two things. First of all, because it was the seat of the religious establishment. It's where the temple was located. And second of all, because it was where the Romans had set up their political base. And because Jesus and his movement from the very beginning were seen as a threat to the powerful, whether religious or political, Jesus is headed straight into the buzzing nest of his opponent's territory, right into the teeth of his fiercest opposition. By turning toward Jerusalem, Jesus has set his way in the kingdom of God that he's proclaiming on a collision course with the status quo. Jesus' conviction leads him to upset and to become, to come into conflict with the complicit, the complacent, the comfortable. And he does this at great cost of himself. This is all the more impressive if you read earlier in, in Luke 9 and you realize that Jesus has already predicted the sort of welcome he's going to get in Jerusalem. He's already told people that he knows that his path there is going to lead through suffering and death. So when we ask, what is it that Jesus sets his face toward, when we follow his gaze, inevitably, we're confronted with the cross. In a very real way, we find Jesus in a moment where he's coming to terms with and coming face to face with his own death. And that is a deeply uncomfortable thought. 
See, nothing makes us quite so squeamish as, as talking about death. The French philosopher de la Rochefoucauld said a long time ago, he, he summarized our, our, um, our inability to look at death in this way. In one line, he said this, neither the sun nor death can be looked at steadily. We want to turn away. We want to shield our eyes from both. And yet, Jesus turns toward it. The uncertainty, the grief, Jesus enters in to this most human of experiences. Because, like it or not, this is just part of coming to terms with our humanity. One writer put it quite memorably. He said this. He said, when we're young, death is fascinating because it's purely hypothetical. And then, death fascinates us as we get older because it ceases to be hypothetical. Jesus enters in to our human experience. He comes face to face with death. And as I reflected on this verse, I couldn't shake this kind of deep realization. I couldn't shake this sense that if we really want to set out with Jesus on the road he chooses to Jerusalem, we have to come to terms with the cross. And this was all, I admit, uh, too heavy for me. There's a lot going on this week. And so what I did uh, is I texted a few friends. And I just sent out this text to them, and, and I said this, hey, I'm giving this talk at my church, and I was wondering if I could talk to you about part of it. And most of them texted back, you know, sure, what's it about? And I wrote back, mortality. And after a while, they responded back, like, you serious? And I said, dead serious. Which I thought I had sort of the last word there until one of them responded back to me. Sounds fun, man. See you tomorrow. Like, I guess I picked the right people. So all I did this week is I read this verse to people, and then I just invited them to share their responses. One of the most interesting came from my, my buddy Ben. Uh, he's a pastor now uh, down in SoCal. But before that, he was, of all things, a mortician. Right? Like, that's sort of a weird uh, bring-your-kid-to-work day sort of thing. But I guess, you know, he has this experience, so I wanted to draw on it. And Ben told me this. He said, Brad, when I worked in the funeral industry, my job was to mask death, to dress it up, to make it pretty, or make it just another business transaction, because people don't like to look at it. We don't like to be reminded of our own mortality. We face it only when we're forced to. But he said, when I read this verse, I see Jesus coming to an intimate understanding of his own death. He's aware it's coming, and he steps towards it. And that's courage. There's another friend responded this week. He said this, it's beautiful. He said, what I see here is that Jesus is moving toward the pain and brokenness of the world. He's stepping into the tension, the unknowing, and the uncertainty. And see, that's really good news for us, because today in the midst of our, our difficult times, for those of us who are face-to-face -face with difficult things, for those of us who are feeling lonely today, for those of us who are afraid, for those of us um, who are, are worried and we're bothered by whatever it is that we've come face-to-face -face with, we need to know that Jesus doesn't shy away with these things, from these things that we're facing, but that he's with us and he's present in facing them with us. Whatever it is that you are facing today, whether it's fear, whether it's failure, whether it's regret, whether it's pain, whatever it is, know that Jesus is with you. He turns his face towards us in our need. And see, this has huge implications for us because I'm going to be honest, like, I tend to avoid difficult things. 
It's easier to leave certain bills in a stack unopened. It's um, easier to ignore that sort of nagging pain instead of getting it checked out. Easier to leave a hard conversation with a family member for tomorrow. Simply put, when I'm at a fork in the road, I tend to take the road of least resistance. I like to wait, watch what everyone else is doing, and then follow suit. But here, what Jesus is doing is he is showing us another way. The road we're going to be talking about this month. The road less traveled. And that road is the way of courage and self-sacrifice. It faces up to what needs to be addressed. And it takes it on. And here's why it matters for us today. Because Jesus set his face to Jerusalem out of his love for us, we today can set our faces to our suffering city and our world out of love for our neighbors. Because of what Jesus did, we can step out of comfort and we can step towards service. Because of what Jesus did, we can step away from indecision and choose to act instead. But this requires just one more thing of us, and I'll close with this. One word, resolve. Resolve. The end of our verse reads like this. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. If your uh, social media feeds are anything like mine, you'll see that there's a whole bunch of resolutions, wonderful positive resolutions that are floating around right now. Um, and these are really, really good things. You know, lots of people saying, you know, I'm going to get back to reading with my extra time. I'm going to get um, back to, to, to working out and get in shape during this time. And these are really, really positive things. But what many of us are realizing just a few days into this is that our day one quarantine resolutions feel very differently when we're confronted with day three of quarantine's realities. Resolutions are easy to make, but living with resolve is hard. This morning, we're focused in on the courage of Jesus setting out on the road, the first steps of his pilgrimage, which he calls us to follow him in. But what we're going to quickly realize in the text that we address in the next few weeks and in these days of our lives is this. It takes resolve to stay the course with Jesus. See, that's the tricky thing about this whole journey uh, theme that we're going to be talking about. Two things that are really difficult about that. The first is this. A journey takes time. We don't just arrive at our destination immediately. It takes resolve to stay on the course. The second thing about that that is difficult is that a journey implies movement. It really means that God is taking us forward to do something. It really means that we're call, called to follow Jesus into uncertain waters. The directions of our lives really may be changed. And as a comedian once put our, our sort of complacent attitude into a, a joke, he said this. He said, I love all my beliefs, and I live by none of them. This morning we see Jesus saying the exact reverse. We aren't only called to believe something this very different Easter season, but to live differently. And that will demand resolve. You can be sure when you are confronted with all of the little idiosyncratic tendencies um, and annoyances of those that you are going to be quarantined with this week, it will require resolve to be patient. Um, this week, as we find people in this mad rush to try and acquire resources with this mindset of scarcity, it will require resolve to continue to be generous. And you can be sure that as we follow Jesus in the weeks ahead, it will require resolve 
to love as he does. So wherever you are this morning, however you came to listen into this, let me ask you once more. Is it time for you to do something? If God is prompting you, why let fear hold you back? Be courageous. Is there something in your life that you are being called to face up to? To look at. Because of Jesus, you're not alone in looking at that. You can have courage to look into it. Is there some resolution that you've made that now you need strength for and courage to follow through with? The Spirit can give you resolve. Because Jesus lived faithfully into this moment in his life 2,000 years ago, he opened a new way for us to live faithfully in our time today. Let's pray. God, your word tells us that you were near to the brokenhearted, God. We pray this morning that for those of us who find ourselves in, in, in these difficult situations, God, that you would draw near to us. Lord, we turn our faces this morning towards you and your example. God, would you show us and give us wisdom to navigate these times? Lord, you say that um, we're to pray that the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus would be in us, that same courage. So God, we pray today that you would give us wisdom to know what time it is, that you would give us resolve, and that you would give us courage, Lord, that we can show your love to the world today. In Jesus' name, amen.